Welcome to the Oilcast from March 7th, 2016 with your host, George Eliopoulos. We gave up a much-needed two points tonight against the New York Islanders, but I don't think it was all negative. Today I'll be discussing the Oilers' defense getting a little antsy, the growing issue of the PK, my new love, David DeHarnay, and what it's going to take to win down the stretch. But first... The Recap. The only goal of the first period was Josh Hosang's first of his career. It was another power play goal against the Oilers, not a good trend coming down the stretch. But the new third line for the Oilers tied it less than three minutes into the second period. After a great shift from the line, it culminated in a beautiful tip-in from Zach Cassian off a Matt Benning point shot. David Dayarnay didn't get a point on the goal, but I'm really starting to fall in love with him. The Islanders retook the lead under halfway through the frame, just under halfway, Anders Lee outworked Oscar Kleffbaum in front of the net, took a pass from John Tavares, and beat Cam Talbot 5-0. That gave the Isles a 2-1 lead heading into the third. And then right after killing an Oilers power play, the Isles turned that momentum into an insurance goal. Veteran Andrew Ladd beat Cam Talbot on a one-timer from Nelson. The Oilers couldn't mount a comeback against New York's trap, and the game ended 4-1 after an empty netter. Okay, so... I assume that the attitude in oil country right now is going to be the sky's falling. We played horrible. What's wrong? I thought we were ready to go. And based on Twitter, that's definitely true. And I assume that's going to be all the talk on the shows tomorrow is it was a poor performance. We didn't get the two points when we needed it. Uh, Only scored one goal against the Islanders, all that stuff. And I'd like to first say, actually, that I, I mean, I'm well aware that the most the only thing that really matters this point of season is getting the two points, especially a winnable home game like this. But if we're just assessing the game, uh, even though it's a loss, and kind of looking at it in terms of how each player, each line, each pairing played, I actually think there were a lot of good things tonight. I'll I'll address the bad stuff first, but this is actually be a more positive show than you might have expected. So last game I talked about how uh, I really liked the start that the Oilers came out with. It was a, they really established themselves. It looked great, and I mean, that was partially true in this game, but the issue, I thought, was that although the team came out very confident-looking, it kind of felt to me like a little bit of overconfidence on the part of the defense. Um, What you were seeing was, I felt like the Oilers thought that they could come out and just kind of barrage the uh, Islanders early on, and the defense, I felt, were just taking unnecessary risks very often. It wasn't an isolated incident, it wasn't one or two defensemen. I counted three separate times in the first 10 minutes. The third one happened right at the 10-minute mark of the first period. Uh, It was first Andre Sekera, then Oscar Kleppbaum, then Griba. All three of them made bad pinches that led directly to two-on-ones. And then with just a few minutes uh, left in the period, Darnell Nurse did the same thing right off an offensive zone face-off. And that's what resulted in the Drake Kajula hooking penalty, which of course resulted in the first goal of the game. So, I mean, I... Part of me looks at it and and sees the fact that you know what there's there's a lot of aggression. Our defense is playing confidently, and that's that's nice. But at the end of the day, you can't allow um, <clears throat> overconfidence to breed itself into mistakes and not paying attention to your assignments. And it wasn't just these isolated incidents, not isolated, but these incidents that I'm talking about. It was all game. I felt that the Oilers were. The Oilers' defense, I should say specifically, were really getting themselves out of position, not paying enough attention to defense, looking to move the puck up quickly and get offense going. And I mean, we were ne- we, up until the end of the game, where obviously things were different. It wasn't like we were down two, three, four goals and having to mount some sort of comeback early on. It was a tie game or a one goal game the whole time. And I felt like the Oilers were playing 
I mean, I don't want to use this in a negative word because I think desperation is great. And I actually thought that he always played with some desperation in the second period, but kind of like an unnecessary, undisciplined des- form of desperation from the defense in that in the first and second period where it just the risks that they were taking were were too many. Um, and I would say I didn't I didn't think Matt Benning had a very good game. Uh, I thought he seemed to find himself out of position very often. And. I, I, and I really didn't like the game from Oscar Clefbaum personally either. I, I mentioned one of the mistakes he made early on, but he was the fault for the second goal for sure. It might've been one that I would have liked Cam Talbot to save, but you look at it and Oscar Clefbaum was standing right in front of the net and completely lost position in a battle. It was one of those plays where it was whoever out-toughed the other one was going to get position in front of the net. And frankly, Oscar Clefbaum lost that one and... Despite the fact that he is really stepping up this season, not every person, every Oilers fan loves what they've seen from him, including myself. He's been great, but it's plays like that that really bother you and realize he's he is still a young defenseman. He's still got to grow, um, and I don't just mean physically. I mean maturity wise, he's got to he's got to grow in that sense and realize that that's a, a part of his game that he's really got to take onus on and and be better. The other issue that I've already alluded to twice on this show is the issue with the penalty kill. I haven't really talked about it yet because I've kind of been optimistic that maybe it was going to turn around and it's just a little, not not a trend, just maybe a little blip. But at this point, I think it's it's fair to say that it's it's a real issue. And I mean, we're at the point where when we get a, we get a penalty kill, I'm looking at it and feeling nervous for the entire time that the other team is in the zone because we're just not doing enough on the penalty kill to safely feel like we're going to get out of that two minutes with uh, and get it back to five on five. There was only one power play the entire game for the Islanders, and obviously they got their first goal on that. And one thing actually that uh, I found interesting was this morning in the press conferences with Todd McClelland, he actually was asked about changing the line, changing the fourth line when the team's winning and all that kind of stuff. And his response was not that he wasn't changing it because they were winning, but because they were trying to improve their special teams, particularly the penalty kill, and basically was saying how he wanted to get continuity, get those uh, units together. And here is Todd talking about that. We talk about it. We debate it a little bit. Uh, we consider injuries. We consider uh uh, the opposition and what they might throw at us, but also trying to keep some special team um, units together for a little while so we can work on some stuff, uh, in particular penalty killing. And um, so our lineup is chosen based on some of those variables. And so tonight on the only opportunity they had, it started with uh, Mark Letesto and Matt Hendricks. Then Nuge and Cassian came on quickly, uh, just for a few seconds, really. And then McDavid and Latestu were the ones on actually for the goal against. So, I mean, unsurprising that you have the first power play unit of Latestu and Hendricks. But that's obviously, you look at Hendricks as the guy that he must, uh, Coach McClellan must have been referring to when he was saying he wanted to keep that continuity, have someone, uh, have them have them stay there for the special teams because he's the one guy of those uh, five that I mentioned who really is, would come out of the lineup. And, I mean, th- frankly, that was the best part of their power play. They, they got out there, they did a pretty good job and dumped the puck down. Frankly, I thought it was um, partially McDavid's fault on the goal. He got in the shooting lane but not in a position to block it only a position really to have screened 
Cam Talbot. And I will put some blame also on Eric Griba, who was in front of the net and lost out for position, uh, ending up just screening the goalie and not doing anything positive, really. So I don't, I don't know what the takeaway is for the power play. I guess it's more just one of those things that going forward, something to be nervous about and hopefully something that we can rectify in the next few games because it is it is reaching that point where we're getting a little concerned. I wish I had the numbers to kind of back up how it's been a lot worse recently, but I know that we were in the top half of the NHL in terms of uh, percentage, but it's, it's clearly dipped a lot in recent weeks or months and uh, just something to keep our eye on going forward. Now it's time to go a little bit more positive, and for that, I'm going to go into the forwards, because despite the fact that we only scored one goal and mustered 28 shots, which doesn't seem that much, I thought that the all four of the Oilers lines played very well. I mean, the fourth line, I would say, was more neutral. They didn't do that much, but another positive performance, I'd say. No liability defensively, another couple of opportunities along with some physical play. But again, I want to go back to the new love I have for David Darnay and that whole third line. I mean, I'm really liking what I'm seeing from David DeArnay. I think that he provides everything you want in the sense of consistency. You're going to, you, you feel, I feel like within two games, I already know what I'm getting from him. He's going to play really hard defensively with a great two-way game. He's going to get, uh, get in there physically for a small guy, not in terms of throwing his body around, but he's going to get up on guys and make it uncomfortable for the other players to play against. And he's also going to do a good job of getting the puck first and trying to set up his line mates. But Really, I'm looking at it in terms of the chemistry that they're building because I think that both games so far between Cassie and Kajula and David Dayarnay, I think that they're really coming together and finding each other where they want to be, knowing where they want to be. Obviously, Zach Cassian's gotten two tipping goals in their two games together, but even regardless of just those two specific plays, it's been very dangerous. Um, like like I mentioned before, that it wasn't just the goal that they scored. That entire shift leading up to it was all three players playing fantastically, and I thought there were maybe four other shifts where it was uh, 45-plus seconds in the offensive zone going to work, trying to make a play happen, and definitely looking... In terms of how dangerous they were, they look much more dangerous than a third line, and they really complement each other. So I'm, I'm kind of hoping that this that third line can sort of be something that we don't have to worry about for the rest of the year in terms of line shuffling and stuff. You can kind of get that set as your third line, though you can expect some produ- production from. You can expect the physicality from Zach Cassie, and you can expect a good uh, defensive performance from David Dayarnay, and then hopefully Dayarnay also um, can really step up in the face-off circle and be that other thing that we're missing. The second line also, I was really happy with how they played. I, I thought maybe Jordan Eberle was a little more non-existent than the other two, but Nugent Hopkins was flying all game, I thought. Um, had a couple of opportunities to score and looked really good overall, but it was Milan Lucic where I thought really looked good. He set Ryan Hopkins up for a great goal, had another couple of opportunities himself, and was just really dangerous-looking very physical the whole game, the stuff that you want to see from him. And I mean, I've mentioned a bunch of times how I think that when you look at the at the big contract for Lucic, the first 60 games of the season or 50 games or whatever it is, that's, that's nice. You'd like to see some production from him. You obviously want to get the leadership from him. But this is why we're paying him. We're paying him for these last 20 games of the regular season in the playoffs. 
both in terms of bringing up his production at that point, but more importantly, bringing up his physical presence and just overall presence on the ice. You want to feel him when he's out there. You want to know that he's out there. And I think that's what we're getting. And of course, we know that we need him to be the vocal, if not completely vocal leader, the the leader with experience in the locker room, because obviously Connor is the leader, but we also know that he is not much of a speaker. He leads with performance, and I think he did that today. But Milan Lucic is going to be the guy that'll kind of lead the way in terms of, I've been here before, I know what I'm doing. I don't just know what I'm doing. I step my game up right now. So you all follow me and follow my example and bring it up in terms of intensity, physicality, and hopefully production as well. But this is why we're paying him. This is what we're looking for from him. And again, I mean, didn't get any points tonight, but I think that if you get performances like this every single game from him, it's going to result in enough points and enough of an impact on the rest of his uh, line mates and teammates that it will have, that the contract will have paid much dividends. Now for the first line, this one is interesting because I, what, I'm actually kind of interested to hear what people have to say about how the first line played today. Because I actually thought that this was a pretty impressive performance in terms of generating chances and that feeling of whenever they're on the ice, it's going to be a minute of domination. And obviously, they didn't generate one goal, but I thought Connor McDavid looked absolutely unbelievable and I've kind of made it a made a concerted effort not to basically just talk about McDavid and how great he is and how he's Jesus Christ incarnate every podcast um just based just just on the basis that you don't want to sound repetitive obviously but even though this is a game that people are gonna look at and say well he didn't even score a point he was frustrated the whole game what are you talking about why are you talking about him now I think that it's not just this game but the last now making it four games total, I think he's really stepped it up to a completely other level where he's by far the best player on the ice every time. It's not a competition whatsoever between him and the next player every game. It's when he gets on the ice, I talk about how Milan Lucic, I want to see a presence from him. That's nothing like the presence Connor McDavid has when he gets on the ice. It is every single shift. He's coming out and he's picking the puck up and going guns blazing. In that third period, he came out and it was every shift, I swear he was going a minute and a half every shift, just didn't want to come off the ice, wanted to get that sec- that uh, second or second goal of the game and either tie it or bring it to back within one. Um, actually, I what I what I really liked was going into the third period, he was uh he was tabbed with the duty of getting the interview with Gene Principe, and he looked just he was very short with Principe and just was showing obvious frustration. He talked about it. He said it's a very frustrating feeling. Uh, feeling. He talked about how it's just not good enough of a performance from the team and they need to do more. And it was just, he didn't even say much, but he came across exactly how you'd want him to out of that situation. He made it very clear that he didn't feel like he was playing good enough. I actually think he kind of made a shot of uh, at Oscar Clefbaum in front of, uh, about not being strong in front of the net. Maybe a little subtle, maybe just a little frustration. But the point is, He's not just internalizing, talking, trying to be the be the good man, nice man. He's coming out and just saying, not not even saying. He's more just coming out and just showing obvious frustration. And you saw it in that third period. You saw it all game, really. He came out and he was just flying. But that third period, I mean, he looked like a man possessed. And again, people might hear this and say, "What are you talking about?" He only had a couple shots on goal, and they didn't get any, and he didn't get any points. But 
I mean, you can't look at it just in terms of production with points. When you see a guy who comes out and every shift is generating at least a grade B up, uh, grade B up, grade B opportunity, if not a grade A opportunity, that's all you can look for because eventually those are going to turn into goals. I will say that although I I really like Connor's performance, I thought Drysaddle was kind of up and down, so I don't want to talk too much about him. I thought he had some good, some bad, but Patrick Maroon, I feel like he's kind of reached the point where he's fallen back to earth I mean he had that whatever it was 20 game run that was just magical where seemingly every time he touched the puck he went in the net but I think he's kind of reached that point where he's back to where he should be frankly and I mean I, I he hasn't scored very much recently and he's not finishing on opportunities where you think he could have so I mean I, I don't want to see a line shift. I don't uh, uh, sh- shuffle because I think that the second, third, and fourth line are playing the best we've seen all season. And Connor and Leon can certainly carry that line. But, I mean, it is realistic to think that we're not going to expect the same Patrick Maroon that we got over the middle of the season, that, that crazy stretch where he had. Um, now, moving on from Connor McDavid, uh, it was a Donner Unleashed's 100th game of, the, of his career tonight. It was his fourth game back from injury, but a hundredth game of his career, which is an interesting milestone that people always like to talk about with uh, defensemen. Everyone says, never judge anything about a defenseman until you get to your hundredth game, and you really don't know everything about a defenseman until their 300th game. So this was his fourth game back from injury, and I, I mean, I, I wanted to comment basically saying that, although I don't think tonight was his best performance, I thought he looked really... I, th- I thought actually he was kind of indicative of what we got a lot from the Oilers defenseman tonight. He looked very dangerous rushing the puck and uh, and pinching, but it came at, to a point of sloppiness, I would say, uh, riskiness that was unnecessary. I thought he was a little bit of a defensive liability tonight, but I mean, I guess if I just look at the previous three games since he's come back from injury, I have been really impressed with him because... You look at a guy who's, I believe, 21 years old now and now just played 100 games. To miss a large chunk of the season the way he did and coming back from a foot injury, I mean, you, I, I don't know about you, but I had low expectations for him. I was really concerned, especially at the time when we still had Brandon Davidson on the team and between him and Griba and all that the, with the eight total defensemen, I was worried that Darnell Nurse was going to turn into a healthy scratch a lot of nights just on the basis of... I mean, it's really tough to expect a young guy like that, especially playing at the defense position, to step in and and be really good uh, right away and fit in, catch up to the speed. So although I didn't think tonight was one of his best performances, I am thoroughly impressed with the way that he has come in and stepped up and proven he's good to go as a top six NHL defenseman. You don't need to sit him. He'll be good to go for the uh, playoffs, assuming they happen, and the entire stretch run. So I think, I guess... What I'm trying to say with this whole podcast about this game tonight is, look, I mean, I've talked about how we need to establish home ice. We need to get all these wins now and put ourselves in a great position because of the favorable schedule. But we're going to lose some games. And assuming this, or not even assuming, but hoping this doesn't become a habit, if this is the way we're going to lose games, I can accept this being the loss. Because this wasn't a performance where it was... Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl and Patrick Maroon, that line doing the only offense and um, and a lot of, and, and just not getting that secondary uh, scoring. I mean, I thought this was a complete four-line performance offensively, and I think that it was a bit of overconfidence from the defense. And Cam Talbot, I mean, the first and third goals, I would say no chance. Second one, you know, maybe could have had that. But, I mean, all in all, it just was one of those games that just didn't work out. 
I, I don't see it as a, we laid an egg. I don't know what happened. I don't know where it was missing. But the point is, Connor McDavid, Todd McClellan, Milan Lucic, all these guys are going to come and tell the team that that was not acceptable, and they're going to come out better because of it. And it would have been nice to win it, but you know what? It happens. And so next game, we got another two days off, and then it is Friday against the Penguins. Oh my God. Are you kidding me? Do you... Do you guys do you remember the last game between Connor McDavid and Sidney Crosby? I believe McDavid had a goal and two assists. Um, and although Sidney Crosby, I don't even think he had a point. He was the catalyst in that comeback in what I thought was the best early game of the season that you'd see from two teams before they get into playoff mode. So I am thoroughly excited for that rematch and to see what. I mean, at this point, I think it's fair to say that it's Crosby, McDavid, and then everybody else in terms of best forwards, at least, in the NHL. Um, you can obviously throw Patrick Kane in there, but I, I personally think it's Crosby, McDavid, and everybody else. So really excited to see that matchup. I'll talk to you after that one, Oil Country.